It's Andrew Dambina. <laughs> She's saying, of course, <laughs> with a big smile. Well, I've, I've just got him on the line if you want to tune in the radio. Anyway, so today we're talking about uh, global food news. Exactly. Hit, hit us, Anders, hit us. All right. Well, you know, in a, in, in a week where there's been lots of heavy stories in Hong Kong, you can go two ways. I don't want to go too fluffy because it seems like, you know, people are in quite a serious mood at the moment. So I thought I'd find a few things that had either social or just interesting unexpected elements to them that are happening rather than, you know, sort of fluffy Instagram food trends or something like that. Oh, so I should get ready for some serious food news. Well, okay. I mean, they they go from uh, ecological to health warnings, uh, but we start off with um, Trappist Monk beer, which is brewed in Belgium, uh, which has been uh, used by... Uh, it's a very it's a very rare and limited edition type of beer from an abbey that has been making beer since the 19th century. Very limited production. What people have been doing is buying up batches of this stuff and selling it at prices that are greatly inflated. So I'll just say that each box of beer that this abbey makes, and it's called the St. Sixtus Abbey in West Beleron, which is close to the uh, French border, and it's in Belgium, as I said, and um, they they put, they put out a bottle of beer for two and a half euros. That's about 20 Hong Kong dollars per bottle. And it's being resold around Belgium and even across the border in France for $100 a bottle. So wow. like four times four times the price. And um, and the because of the demand for this beer, the um, the monks really um, you know they're not in it for a for a for a, uh, a profitable enterprise. They're, it's just something that they've been doing for 200 years. And so they're happy that people like the beer and they'll sell it, but for them it's all about profit. However, they keep getting people asking if they can buy direct from the Abbey. So they have just turned to e-commerce, these, these kind of Luddite monks that only started taking telephone reservations to, uh, to sell beer in 2005 have now come up to the cyber age and they're, 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 they're going online it's, and, and, the, and the reason is they want to sell them directly to customers for the price that, it, uh, that, 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 that they think it's worth rather than people paying four times the price so they're doing it in a way to cut out these middle people, these middle men or women who are profiteering from uh, something that happens to be in demand and a lot of these Belgian beers, I don't know if you ever tried any previously, Noreen, did you? Belgian beer? Is Hogarden a Belgian beer? Um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe uh, I haven't. That, 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 that's German, I believe. Oh, sorry. We, we no. but, 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 um, but, but, but things like... Uh, um, I, won't, I won't mention the oh, brand Oh, there's a name, cherry but... beer that I tried. I think that was Belgian. A cherry yeah. beer. Yeah, maybe yeah, that they was... Do. They do have some cherry and fruit-flavoured beers, and they're very strong, though. They're, they're, they're very rare... Um, then they're quite often double the strength and up to um, close to three times the strength of the beer that you'll get out of a tap in Hong Kong. Um, you know, the, the, the craft beer thing we've mentioned is, uh, is, is on the up, not just in Hong Kong, as we've mentioned uh, in, in previous reports, but, but around the world. So people are, are proud to get this. Anyway, but just um, something, if you can imagine, I saw online a, uh, a, a picture of uh, St. Sixtus Alley, which looks like something a bit like horror film actually but um you know kind of like this quite spooky looking abbey um in a in a rural part of belgium and uh just 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 
to let you know, they've come up to uh, 21st century standards now for selling their beer, making sure that other people don't profit from it by four times. Oh, so, wow. Four times is a lot. But yes, I'm glad that they, they put an end to it. Yeah. Um, and Noreen, I think you're going to like this one because I know you like stories with an ecological bent. Definitely. Um, yeah. There's um, a, uh, in, in, in the works right now is a 200 metre, uh, square metre, urban vineyard that's going to cover an office building in Milan. Uh, it's, uh, it's been made by an Italian design firm called Carlo Ratti Associati, and they run a competition, an environmental competition, to transform a disused industrial site, or, or it could be an existing building. Their one is disused, it's in Milan, and their, their building, which will be used as a research centre, is going to be basically uh, covered mostly on the rooftop, but also dangling along the sides will be these vines, like, um, like creeper vines that will go down the side of the building too. But on the top, they will be cultivating grapes to make wine, which is a, which is a nice idea. It's a very rare thing to happen on a rooftop garden. You, you know, you've heard of rooftop farms where in places with slightly kinder climates than Hong Kong, less harsh climates than Hong Kong, are able to grow vegetables, and there have been one or two in cases. In Hong Kong as well. These little yeah, urban farms or micro farms on rooftops exactly. or windowsills, yeah. Yeah, there, there are. It's, a much, it's much more of a challenge here, and there are only certain months where you can really grow certain stuff. But, um, but yes, I mean, there are, there are one or two people that are doing it. I think I mentioned that uh, there's one hotel in Causeway Bay, that is, uh, that is doing that as well, and, and their chef is using herbs and vegetables from that. But, uh, it, but it, it, it should be, I mean, I wish it was done a lot more here. Anyway, this, um, this building, which is in uh, construction at the moment, this research centre, which will open uh, a, bit, uh, a bit late at the end of this year, or the beginning of next year, is going to be growing its own wine. And it's not the first one to do so. The vineyard will join a number of others that, that, uh, that do exist. There's only a handful around, and the most famous of which is called Rooftop Red uh, on, a, uh, on a rooftop in Brooklyn in New York. Um, they, uh, they are going to be releasing... That one in Brooklyn is going to be releasing its first wine uh, at the, uh, in the autumn of this year. But uh, how much do you think a bottle of that wine is going to cost? Mm. A bottle of wine from a Brooklyn rooftop. I'll take US dollars, as that's the figure that it was mentioned in. Oh, I don't know. A bottle of wine in US yeah. dollars that's got yeah. a, a, an eco-friendly... Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's taken, it's taken um, since planting the vines in uh, 2017, a couple of years to grow the grapes, making this process. However, I think you better get ready for a slightly inflated price than you're probably going to get. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, go on. Just right. reveal it. 1,000. 1,000 US. <sighs> Whoa, one thousand US dollars. So that's about eight, just under eight thousand Hong Kong dollars for a bottle. That seems a bit much to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, limited edition, I'm sure. Um, and next, a non-alcoholic. Hold that, hold, hold that oh. thought, Andrew. I'm okay. just going to uh, play a, a quick trail, and we'll return to more chat with you uh, this Tuesday afternoon. Hold that thought. <laughs> Music was my first love. Inspired by music lovers. Music. Uncle Ray Kadira with a superb balance of vocal and instrumental classics from the last six decades, including the obligatory solid gold Elvis track. Or two. Less conversation, less 
you'll hear treasures you may have missed. Rock and roll, swing and smooch your way down memory lane with Ray Cadero, 10 till 1, weeknights on Radio 3. Right, welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, and Andrew Dembina, our food and drink correspondent. Right, $1,000 for that bottle of wine. That's that's steep. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I'm not sure how many they're selling. Perhaps only one kind of... One box of 12 or something at that price. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but next, though, Noreen, a non-alcoholic drink story that was reported in Mainland Press this month and uh, I'd like to say to the listener, think twice if you're a regular bubble tea drinker. Um, and, uh, and also, I hope that uh, everyone's had their lunch before I mention uh, m- many details. It's not, that, it's not that sort of stomach turning, but it's not very nice. I've just had an, I can't say that word on it, I've just had an oh dear moment. I love bubble tea. I I've been yeah. I've been having this craving, you know, uh, I don't know, since yeah, I've been having bubble tea, maybe okay, not bubble tea. Yeah, sometimes bubble tea, maybe at least once or twice a week lately in the past. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, in the past, I don't know, 6 weeks, 5 weeks. Oh no. Okay, Noreen. Okay, Noreen, you might <laughs> you might want to you might want to tone that down a bit although um the the person that uh, that this uh, report is all about was a 14 year old girl in china who in uh, Zhejiang province who landed herself in hospital after probably drinking more than two a week i think how many a week sorry um she she would have been drinking certainly a lot more than two per week she said I'll tell you what the problem was first, but but she said she was only drinking um, about about three a week, but it came out that she was drinking a lot more and didn't want to admit it to her parents. Oh, no. So, but the problem is this, Noreen, and uh, while I explain it, perhaps you'd like to look at a photo that I sent you from this report, which, uh, <laughs> which shows something which uh, looks rather uncomfortable. Oh. The girl who lived in Zhejiang, as I mentioned, was complaining about being badly constipated and not being able to eat and, stu- and suffering from really prolonged stomach aches. And so her parents finally decided to send her to hospital um, at, the end, at the end of May. Um, unable to find the cause of any kind of digestion problems, having tests of her intestines, uh, all this sort of thing. She had a CT scan, which will show in minute detail, you know, anything that might be wrong, because doctors and parents by now were quite worried. And uh, what was found was this. And you have a picture right in front of you. The uh, doctors explained and deduced that the shadows, which were all over her stomach, all around her stomach area, were actually around 100 or so undigested tapioca pearls, pellets, you know, that you get in bubble tea, that she had consumed. Uh, initially, um, uh, as I mentioned before, the girl was reluctant to admit to, uh, to how often she was having bubble tea. Um, and uh, she, she was saying that she had only had, that she only had one about every five days or something. And, um, 
But the doctor who treated her suspected that, um, you know, as I said before, she was just hiding the truth because she didn't want to get in trouble from her parents later. Probably one one every three or four hours by the looks of... This is horrific. There's so many uh, balls, those bubble tea balls. You're you're, you're looking at a copy of the CT scan that's been going around Weibo social media, uh, which was also included in the uh, mainland China reports, which is quite horrendous. And uh, the the doctors did count more than 100 pellets that were just lurking there, unable to pass through. So um, that's... uh, that's just a bit of a warning that um, that those bubble tea pellets, because of uh, because of chemicals that are used in them um, to keep them crunchy or to have a certain texture or flavour, are not always that easy to go through. So go easy, Noreen. Go easy on those. All right. Uh, to, to be fair, yep. I, I sometimes I, I I skip the the bubble tea bubbles and I just have the the yep. the, the, the cold just milk the tea. tea, just the tea, or I have yeah. like a mango green tea. So I don't. I'm not. I'm not a, a big fan of the what what ball, what the are pellets. they called? The tapi- tapioca. Tapioca. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. that's horrific. Okay. But, but but obviously yeah that's uh, that's the first case that's come into media attention of someone and so she they, they, she did she was fine in the end they just had to use very strong laxatives to get it all out but but it was a surprise because they thought it might be something a lot more serious turned out she'd just been gutsy on the old uh, on the uh, pellet drinks <laughs> so okay <laughs> they, they are so, very popular in Hong Kong there's always really really long queues outside bubble tea shops I mean Hong Kong people love yeah. it. They yeah. do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been one of the more longer-lasting crazes, hasn't it? Um, not even a craze. You could say it's a permanent part of the uh, food and drink landscape now in Hong Kong. Things that have come and gone before we can think of. I know we've mentioned them before, but Japanese cheesecake, Portuguese egg tarts. Um, you know, there are, there are a couple of different things that have come and gone very quickly. This one seems to be... Uh, Sticking. Um, uh, <laughs> Stuck. Sticking. Yeah, it is. It's really getting lodged, if you like, <laughs> um, in, in our, in our uh, food and drink culture, it seems. So, yeah, um, th- th- those, those were some, uh, um, some drink stories. But I've got one that's related to food for you. Um, and it's more of a social story, really. And it, uh, it concerns Uber, the company Uber Eats. And um, in, in France... Uber Eats um, couriers, who are basically Uber Eats as a delivery service for restaurants, yeah? Um, and um, Uber, like, like Deliveroo in Hong Kong. And uh, so Uber Eats couriers are outsourcing their jobs to undocumented immigrants. And the people, the couriers who are outsourcing the work are kind of taking a cut of the profit of each delivery. This is going on in France right now. Hmm. And yeah and it was um it was reported by a new york times reporter who's based in france uh last week and um the the uber eats couriers are uh, are just basically finding people who are prepared to do this um they the 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 people have signed up for the couriers are then just doing other work it's just an, an additional part of profit for them the u.s newspaper reporter interviewed um an 18 year old migrant who um who earns about half the wages that Uber Eats pays for each trip, and he pays the rest to a French bicycle courier who 
considered Uber Eats' terms too cheap to do it himself. Um, <laughs> just out of interest. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's out of interest. So the, uh, the, the stats, because I wouldn't be able to guess what, what, what an Uber Eats delivery person would get per trip. It's, um, it's three and a half euros, which is about, two, it's about 23 Hong Kong dollars per order um, to, do, to do one delivery. Um, and it's part of a, uh, a trend in France uh, for this to be happening that's been going on now for the best part of a year. And the labour groups are looking into it, but it seems to be uh, um, uh, that, um, that, there's, um, you know, that, that it's very difficult to monitor who's doing this because it's just done in a discreet way. And it's also another kind of dodgy way for people who don't have uh, the right to work somewhere to, uh, to scrape a living. So exactly. they're not going to report they're what's going report on. They're not going to report it, yeah. No, no, and um, the uh, the New York Times uh, um, editor speculated from from this report, which got made into a bigger piece, that um, that there's uh, little to stop this scam from popping up in the U.S., which also has uh, a, a workforce that is more into the uh, gig economy, as it's called these days, i.e., not being a full-time job. Um, and also, there's a there's a large undocumented workforce in the U.S. as well. It's basically a classic story of. Uh, of uh, underpaid or very low-income earners trying to find an extra earner on the back of an even more poor person, isn't it? Really, it's um, you know. So the 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 uh, the people who are doing it might have been contemplating uh, doing delivery themselves, but then they think they can squeeze a bit of profit out of someone else. And while these guys are fighting over pennies, um, just to just to mention that Uber CEO Dara Kostrashani earns 45 million US dollars a year. Oh, whoa. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just throw it yeah. out there. That, that, that's, but he's the CEO of Uber, the big company that owns Uber Eats. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's it. So some stories some stories with more serious implications, even though we've had a bit of a chuckle, but uh, but they were, I thought I'd keep things, uh, try to keep them a bit more serious yes. in this kind of serious week that we have on. Exactly. Well, Andrew, always great to have you on. Thank you very much indeed uh, for your sharing. Lots of uh, things for us to think about and uh, ponder. And you'll be back again next Tuesday. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thanks, Noreen.